0: Today's gospel passage, we hear of two beautiful healing accounts. The first is an older woman who'd suffered greatly from the condition of bleeding for 12 years, and she spent everything that she had in trying to find a cure for this. The second is a young girl, the age of 12, who's on her deathbed. And there are several very important similarities between these two healing accounts in the gospel today. The first is the importance of faith, faith is very important. To the older woman, Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And to the father of the the girl who's on her deathbed, Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. Another important similarity is the aspect of, of risk and desire in these healings. The older woman, she obviously had a desire to be healed. She spent everything that she had on on trying to find a cure, as the gospel writer uh, tells us. And she's taking a great risk in being in that crowd because of her condition. She was thought to be unclean. So it's a risk for her to just even be there. She's probably disguising her looks so that nobody recognizes her. And Jairus, the father of this girl... He's taking a risk too. He's taking a big chance because he's a synagogue official, and already at the, by this time in the gospel, uh, already by the time by this time in the public ministry of Jesus, some of the uh, the, the the Jewish officials are asking questions. You know, who is this man named Jesus? And is he going to pose a threat to our rule? Is he going to pose our, a threat to our teaching, to our authority? What's he all about? And so Jairus, as a synagogue official, he's really taking a big chance here. He's really taking a big risk by asking Jesus to heal his daughter. A third and a very important similarity between these two healing accounts is that people were discouraging these people from being healed. The woman, as I said, she shouldn't have even been there in that crowd. She was considered unclean. If somebody found out That that she had a condition of bleeding and that she wasn't clean, you know, they would have called her out of the crowd. They said, Why aren't you wearing your mask? If you don't have your vaccine, get out of here. You shouldn't be in our midst. Get out. You're not clean. You're not safe to be around. And some people said to Jairus, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And when Jesus enters the house of Jairus. To see this little girl. And Jesus says. She's only sleeping. She's not dead. They ridicule Jesus for that. They don't believe that. That he can heal. In a similar way. I believe that many people in our society, our world today, they try to discourage us from seeking God's healing. God desires to heal us very much. In the first reading, we hear that God does not create death. He does not desire death. He does not create suffering or sorrow or illness. He desires that we come to know his son, Jesus Christ, to come to Jesus for healing, because Jesus Christ is the divine physician. We find healing in Jesus Christ, specifically in his body, the mystical body, which is the Holy Roman Catholic Church. We find healing in the sacraments of Holy Mother Church. In almost 14 years of priesthood, I've seen many healings, Many people healed from the sacraments of the church. I can't tell you how many people I've seen healed in the sacrament of reconciliation. People carrying burdens for for months, sometimes years. And even some people carrying burdens for decades. And much like the woman in the gospel, who spent everything that she had trying to find a cure, going from doctor to doctor, so many people are carrying burdens for, for years or decades and spending a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources. On therapy, on drugs, on counseling, on medication. On anything they could possibly find or try to relieve this burden. And then they, then they go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. They go to confession for the first time in, in a very long time. And that burden is lifted. Incredible healings. I've also seen it. In the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, that's the second sacrament of healing. The first is uh, sacrament of reconciliation. And the, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick also used to be known as last rites. Its primary purpose is a spiritual healing. Because in the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, the person's sins are forgiven. It's that spiritual healing. More often than not, in the Gospels, when Jesus is healing, he will he will immediately forgive sins right before he heals their physical infirmity or right after. So the primacy of spiritual healing. But also in the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, we're also praying in a secondary way for a physical healing. If it be in accord with with God's holy will that this condition in this person who we're praying for, giving the sacrament to, if it be in accord with God's holy will that this person be healed from this particular condition. And I've seen healings in this too. One that comes to mind very often is was in my first or second year of priesthood, I was called to the hospital to give the sacrament, anointing of the sick to a woman. She was in her mid-thirties, she had several children, and life was, was pretty, pretty hard for her. And she attempted suicide. She wound up in the, in the intensive care unit. And there she was in a, in a coma. I went to visit her, I gave her the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, visited with her family for a little bit, and then I left. The following day, and keep in mind, she'd been in a coma for several days. The following day, I called uh, her family to see how she was doing, and uh, her father answered the phone, and, and he said, Father, 30 minutes after you left, she woke up. And they discharge her from the hospital that night. Her family and the medical staff were expecting her to die, and she walks out of the hospital later that night, right after being anointed. That's just one of many, many physical healings that I've witnessed. In giving the the sacrament, of the anointing of the sick to somebody. So those are the two sacraments of, of healing. But the, but the Eucharist, which is the primary sacrament, it's the sacrament through which the other six sacraments derive their efficacy, their, their beauty, and their power. The Holy Eucharist, it's a healing sacrament too. You know, we're not just, when we receive the Eucharist, we're not just touching the, the, the clothes of Jesus, but we're, we're receiving the fullness of Jesus Christ, the divine physician, into us. And so the Eucharist itself is healing. Yet like in the two healing accounts in the gospel, which we just heard, many people will attempt to discourage us from seeking the divine physician Jesus Christ in the sacraments of his church for healing. They're going to try to tell us that there is no real power in the sacraments. There's no efficacy in the sacraments. They're just signs or superficial symbols, something the priest says or does to make us try to feel good. But there's nothing really there. That's what the world wants you to believe. And it's a lie. During my first deployment to Afghanistan, I remember going on a mission up into the Pesh Valley, which is a very beautiful part in eastern Afghanistan, but it's also very dangerous. And when I was up there, it was the real deal. It was the Wild West. And... um, The mission was to celebrate mass at four combat outposts that day um, as the vehicle convoy went from outpost to outpost. So as we approached the first outpost, the vehicle stops right outside the gate and we're waiting out there for about four or five minutes. And the vehicle commander looks back at me and says, Hey chaplain, we're we're waiting here because uh, they're taking sniper fire inside the combat outpost and uh, we're just going to wait it out. I said, okay, that's fine. And so we, we eventually went in, and um, we waited a couple more minutes once we got inside the walls, and, and he looked back again, he said, Hey, chaplain, we haven't found the sniper yet, they're still shooting, but uh, here's what's going to happen. We're going to lower the door of the vehicle, and you're going to run out as fast as you can into the bunker. I said, okay, I ran pretty fast. So has gone to the bunker, and... Uh, Met the leaders of the combat outpost, and this place—it's—it's it's only a couple acres. It's very, very small, and normally the religious services would have been in a uh, in a place where they ate their meals, but we couldn't make it there because you had to go from uh, there was no cover and uh, concealment uh, between the the bunker where we were and this uh, this particular building. So we decided to have mass in the aid station, in the medical tent, the medical area, and of course, there's no. Dedicated altar. There's not even a. There's not even table space for me in there, and so I used a litter, a stretcher, for the altar. And as I was setting up Mass, uh, six young men, um, really dirty in, in body armor, carrying their weapons, came into Mass. They were just out outside moments earlier, looking for the sniper, trying to uh, incapacitate this this guy shooting at us, and. I remember uh, in celebrating this mass, um, while we were celebrating this mass, uh, some of the other soldiers at, in the outpost, they were trying to uh, kill this sniper with 50 caliber machine gun fire. And uh, I just remember hearing that throughout the mass. And, and so now whenever I hear a baby crying at mass, I, I, I almost always try to thank the mother after mass for bringing their crying child. And I'll tell the mother, it's the, the crying of your child is, is sweet music to my ears at Holy Mass. I'd rather hear your child cry than a machine gun anytime. A very important lesson for us, by the way. The Mass continued, we finished, and then the, uh, the six soldiers, they departed and tried to go off in and in, incapacitate the snipers. Then we went to the other uh, outposts and celebrated Mass um, three, or four, uh, yeah, three more times that day after that mission went back to my headquarters and I told one of our officers in the headquarters what had happened and um he wasn't too thrilled about it and this guy was catholic and um he said chaplain you shouldn't have even been celebrating mass he said you shouldn't have been trying to do that they had better things to do you know what you were trying to do It wasn't really important it was just a big distraction for them this guy was catholic and I was trying to explain to him the power and the efficacy of the sacraments and how these soldiers had not seen a priest in three months. I was the first priest they saw in three months. And this guy still said, well, it's, they have better things to do. Well, three months later, I went back up into the Pesh Valley and then. That was the first time they'd seen a priest since my previous visit, three months earlier, and this time it was on Christmas Eve. Once again, celebrating Christmas Eve Mass at all these outposts. And while I was at one of the outposts, I, I recognized one of the officers there who was at the at the Mass, which I described moments earlier. And he said, Hey, Father, do you remember at that Mass when the sniper was shooting? I said, Oh, yeah, I remember. He said, Do you remember um, these two guys? And he gave me their names. And I said, Oh, yeah, I remember them. He said, Well... 20 days after you left, they were killed in a firefight. So that Mass was the last time they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed by a minister of Holy Mother Church. That Mass was the last opportunity they had to receive the body and blood, soul, and divinity of the divine position, Jesus Christ himself. At that Mass... Thank goodness they were not deterred by their, by their uh, other soldiers, by their by their friends, from going to that mass. Thank goodness they took time out of their day, no matter how busy it was, to go to mass. To encounter Jesus, the Divine Physician. Thank goodness I didn't listen to people who said, "Oh, it's just a distraction. You're just wasting their time." These are things that happen, not just. 11 years ago, in Afghanistan, but they happened here now, 16 months ago, in this local diocese, churches locked, people told, you can't receive Holy Communion, you can't have your confession heard because it's not safe, it's not safe you're going to go into the church, it's not safe to see the priest. Well, you can go to the store, you can go to the gas station, you can go to work, you can do the essential things. You can do the important things, but don't go to church. What are they saying? They're saying it's not important. They're saying that the sacraments don't have any efficacy. They're saying the, the sacraments don't have any power in and of themselves. And it happened two months ago. I was visiting a Catholic patient in a Catholic hospital, trying to give that person Catholic sacraments. Keep in mind, this is a a Catholic hospital in the local area. I went up to to the floor and the charge nurse informed me I could not enter the room because this person had COVID. I said, that's why I want to see the person to give them the sacrament of the sick, to help them heal. She said, well, I'm sorry, sir, but you just can't do that. They're not allowed any visitors. I said, I'm a Catholic priest in a Catholic hospital to see a Catholic patient to give Catholic sacraments to, and you're not going to let me? And they, she said, Exactly. Sir, you, you have to leave. You can't see this person. The staff at this Catholic hospital doesn't believe in the power, the efficacy of the divine physician, Jesus Christ, and the sacraments. This is in a Catholic hospital, and they don't believe. You would think that this is a a once-in-a-lifetime event, and it's not. It happened again last week to another priest, denied access at our local hospital here. People don't believe in the power that Jesus can heal in the sacraments. They don't think it's essential, they don't think it's important, they don't think that you need it. The world wants us to doubt that the sacraments of the church have any real power to heal us. The world wants you to doubt that God desires to heal you, that God can heal you. The world is saying to you, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? The world is saying that our faith is not that important. Don't believe the world because it's lying to you. So some very important questions tonight. The first is do I believe that God desires to heal me? Do I believe that Jesus Christ the divine physician can heal me in the sacraments of the church? Do I have faith as we heard about in those two healings in the gospel? Do I have faith that God will heal me? And do I believe That there is real power in the sacraments, especially in the Eucharist. And am I willing to take a risk to be healed? Am I willing to go to the priest and say, Father, please hear my confession? My life is a mess. And I need an encounter with the divine physician, Jesus Christ. I need him to forgive my sins. Am I willing to take a risk to go to the priest and say, Father, I'm suffering from a very serious medical condition, which nobody else knows about. And I would very much like to receive the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Am I going to take that chance? And do I truly desire to be healed? St. Teresa of Avila says in one of her books, that so many people do not receive what they're asking for in prayer, Because they truly do not desire it. They may think they do, they may be asking for it, but they don't truly desire it from the bottom of their heart. And because of that, their heart is not prepared to receive it, and God does not grant it at that time. So, do I truly desire to be healed by God? The woman we heard about in the gospel, she's pushing her way through the crowd. She's pushing away through the crowd, a crowd she shouldn't even be in, a crowd that that could turn on her at any moment. Just so she can touch the clothes of Jesus. Just touch his clothes. But in Holy Communion, we're not just touching the clothes of our Lord. We're receiving the fullness of the divine position into us—body, blood, soul, and divinity. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, so often I'll look down the the communion line when I'm distributing Holy Communion, and I'll look into the eyes of people, I'll look into the expressions, and they're somewhere else mentally. It's like I'm in the elementary school lunch line. They have no idea who or, or what they're about to receive, they have no idea that they're approaching the divine physician. The same divine physician who healed these two people 2,000 years ago. A divine physician who desires to heal you. In a few moments, you will approach the same Jesus Christ who healed the girl and the woman two millennia ago Let us prepare our hearts to encounter this divine position. Praise be Jesus Christ.